I want to share on something uh, that I consider to be very important in the scriptures, and I consider it to be a secret in the word of God. Uh, so I'm going to take my time to um, explain it. Uh, it will sound uh, slightly different. I mean, you, you might know the scriptures, but interpretation we are going to give to it will be uh, slightly different from what you are accustomed to, but you will see that this interpretation is correct. Okay? All right? From, uh, well, your scripture to interpret scripture. All right, so basically I'm going to be teaching, I'll start out from the books of Zechariah and the book of Haggai. And the reason why we can combine uh, both uh, scriptures or both books is that both prophets were raised up at the same time and they were assisting in the building of the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, their prophetic utterances or what is written were words that were given instructional words for encouragement to strengthen those that were building back the temple in Jerusalem. What had happened was that Cyrus' spirit was stirred up, but it was, uh, God had said, 70 years they're going to be in Babylon, and then after that, I will visit them. Uh, on the 50th year, uh, Cyrus picked it up. His spirit was stirred up, and prematurely, they went in to start rebuilding the temple uh, 20 years ahead of time. So that temple was stopped. In the book of Ezra, we find that. And we see that Ezra and the other people that started building, they're not even going to prayer. Uh, they just leaned on the resources that the king was bringing, and it was with political power they were trying to get it done. Of course, they were stopped. And then until the first year, we'll see this, of the reign of King Darius was when Daniel now understood by books that 70 years was, was now accomplished. And so he, as an individual, began to pray. There was no support from any king. They just, he began to pray. And the result of his intercession was that two prophets, and I'll show this, were raised up within nine months of the intercession of Daniel. And they now went back, all right, to start prophesying. So the people that had been stopped uh, 20 years before, and the temple started getting rebuilt. All right? So let's look at it quickly. Put it up. Haggai chapter 1. And, and all right, first of all, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1, please. All right. So it reads here, in the first year, of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation, in the desolations of Jerusalem. And then verse 3, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. 
Now, when did he discover, in verse 1, he says, in the first year of the reign, all right, the first year of Dairos, the son of Ahasuerus, in the first year of his reign, I understood by books. Then we go to the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 1. So that was first year, and we will see here. It says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month. So let's just say, let's just say, it may not be that, the month of June. In the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, and these were the leaders, and the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, he went there, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, these people say, all right, the, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house shall be built. Then we go to Zechariah, and we see that Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us, in the eighth month, in the second year, all right, of Darius, so two months apart, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, he says, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, all right, the Lord hath been so displeased with your fathers. So those words came there. Now, what was the prophetic word that came to Haggai? Let's read again chapter 1 and verse 1. It says this, the word of the Lord came. Let's get to verse 2. And then what was it focusing on? Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, These people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house shall be built. Verse 3, it says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lies waste? Now, when I want to talk about interpretation here, we have used this scripture in ministry to guilt trip people. In other words, when we have a church building project, we start using it. And then we say, the time has come for you to dwell in your own house. And the Lord's house is not built. And everybody starts coming on that guilt that you have to build the Lord's house. All right? And then the next verse, this one will catch them. Verse 5. If you escape that, you can't escape this. Verse 5. Now, therefore, thus hear the Lord, consider your ways. Verse 6. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but not ah, they've got you. All right? You don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe, but there is none to warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. All right? So the girl trip starts. Okay? Now let's look at what Zechariah also said. So it was, Haggai was talking about building the Lord's house. Zechariah chapter 1, from verse 16 to 17. This is what he also said. You can read this when you get home. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with my mercies. My house shall be what? Built in it. Saith the Lord of hosts. And then he said, And a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Now, this is the key. God says, I'm going to return in my mercy, and I'm going to build my house where? In Jerusalem. 
He said, now take a measuring line to measure Jerusalem now. And then in verse 17, he went on and said, Cry yet saying, Thus hear the Lord of hosts, my cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and he shall choose Jerusalem. And the reason why Jerusalem was so special was that the Lord's house was built in Jerusalem. In other words, that's where the temple was located. So all the feasts that the Jews or the Israelites did every year, the three major feasts, you had to come to the temple that was in Jerusalem, right? And because of that, he said, take a measuring line over Jerusalem there. And he was talking about my cities will be spread abroad. So when we get to chapter 2 of Zechariah, I want to see the effect of the house of God in Jerusalem. What happened to Jerusalem? All right? What he rebuilt was the house of God in Jerusalem. And then he said, I lifted up my eyes and again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Now, that was the measuring line to measure Jerusalem. And then he said, then said I, whither goest thou to measure? He said, I want to measure Jerusalem. I want to see the length, the breadth thereof. And then the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. In other words, there will be no limitation. Don't bother measuring Jerusalem. It says, for the multitude of men and the cattle therein. Verse 5. For I say the Lord will be honored to her, a wall of fire round about her, and I will be the glory in the midst of her. Now, the secret to Jerusalem's expansion, uniqueness, divine distinction, was because Jerusalem was the city that played host to the house of God, which was the dwelling place of God. In other words, because Jerusalem was the city where the house of God was built. Because of the house of God there, and that became God's dwelling place, which means wherever God dwells, you are going to have, all right, the blessings of God spread into the place, right? Like the gentleman, they put the ark in his house, and the Bible says in three months, everything. Now, the ark usually stays within the house of God because it represents God dwelling in that place. So the catch is, build the house of God inside a place, and the prosperity of God will be seen in that, that place. So, like people that say they do witchcraft, they will tell you that in their business, they have erected an altar inside that business. So I want to show you this. Therefore, God is saying, if your business or your career is um, El Shaddai and Elohim.co or Anko or whatever it is, right? I don't know companies like that. Then it says, if you build 
the house of God in El Shaddai and Elohim. He says, El Shaddai and Elohim, take a measuring line at the beginning. Put the house of God into the midst of it. And after some time, that business will be inhabited as towns without walls. He said, and I will dwell in the midst of it. And I will be the wall of fire round about it. The problem is, we have taken that house of God and said, it is the physical building of a church and missed out on what God was saying. So the question is, what then is the house of God? And how then do you build the house of God in a tool, all right, an entity there? So in the past, this has been taught simply as church building. But what God is saying is much deeper than that. That the secret to your success flourishing there as a Christian and this divine distinction that was seen upon Jerusalem, what made God choose Jerusalem, the house of God was there. What caused it to be spread abroad as the four winds of heaven, the house of God was there. Uh, and that's why Hagar was saying that, listen, you are thinking about building your own house, but the key here is the house of God first. David understood this in Psalm 132 verse 1. So I'm getting to this, how to build this house. Psalm 132 and verse 1, it says here, Lord, remember David and all his affliction, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes, or slumber to my eyelids, until I find out a place for the Lord and a habitation of the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it in Africa. We found it in the field of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles where we worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. For thy, verse 10, for thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of that anointed. And then the Lord swore in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. In other words, my face will constantly be upon your life. Of the fruit of your body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my commandments, my covenant and testimony that I shall teach them, their children also shall sit upon the throne forevermore. For the Lord had chosen Zion and desired it for my, his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. There will I make the horn of David to board. I have ordained a lamb for my anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself 
shall his crown. So God spoke about blessing David. And the blessing of David, oh sorry, the blessing of God always reflects in our lives in a twofold way. It reflects in the area of, all right, the work of your hands as your career, your business. Because when Adam fell, the two areas that were touched was first, in the sweat of your face, shall you eat bread. The earth shall not yield its increase unto you. In other words, you are going to struggle and struggle to be productive. The work of your hands, you will not attain to the place and position that you should get to. Then the second one, all right, dwelt with family life where he spoke to Eve about that. So if God is going to manifest himself in a time, listen to me, and the reason why he wants to manifest, we're going to see this, himself in your life is to produce things in those two areas of your life. In fact, when he came to Abraham, he said, you know, it was about productivity. It was about your lineage, your family, a father of many nations. He always goes both ways. In other words, he's talking about how productive, all right, you are going to be. Uh, and talking about how your family is going to be upon the earth. Uh, and the name of your family. And in those two areas. And that's the way that the Gentiles will appreciate the presence of God there, that's how they will recognize things. That's how they will know that the hand of God rests upon you. That's how they will desire. All right, God. But the key to it is that that person has said, I am going to build the house of God in these two areas, all right, of my life here. These two areas of my life, I am going to build the house of God there. So if we look at Hagar again, chapter 1, from verses 4 to 10. Hagar chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. So it says, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses? Now note this. And this house lies waste. And now therefore says, consider your way. And then he talked about that. And now when we get to verse 10, or from verse 8, I don't think I got there. It says verse 8. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, build this house. I will take pleasure in it, and I'll be glorified. And verse 9, you looked for much, and it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why say the Lord of hosts? Because of my own house that is waste, and every man runs into his own house. And then, therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from her dew, and the earth over you is stayed from her fruit. So he talked about this house. Uh, this is priority with God. Uh, and so when we look at, all right, David, look at what David said in 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 to 3. Now I'm going to shift it to what I want to say, but I just want to show you. 2 Samuel here. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar. But the ark dwelleth with curtains. Now, that's what Haggai was talking about. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So we see this bring the distinction in the life of David here. David sat and said, 
all right, look at my own house, the cedar, which is what Haggai was saying. And then he now said to himself that, listen, I have got to build a house for God. In other words, I've got to build a place for God's habitation upon the earth. Now, the effect of this, Zechariah 8, you can start the book of Zechariah, it talks about this, but Zechariah 8 verse 3, we go back to it, Zechariah 8, all right, thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, and the holy mountain. Now we go to verse 21. You see the effect of it when the house of God is built. And then it says, And the inhabitants of one city shall go to another and say, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts, and I will go also. And then it says, Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, and to pray before the Lord of hosts. So said the Lord of hosts, In those days, now when this house is built, it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew. In other words, it says they will take hold of him that is a Jew and say this, saying we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. In other words, you are producing so much result that you are not the one doing the evangelism now. They are coming to you by night to say, no man can do these things that you are doing except God is with him. Are you following what I'm saying here? Yeah? Ten people are taking hold to the sky and say, look at all that is going on in your life. How are you getting all these kind of results in this place? All right? Everybody is going south. Everybody is going down. And you are flourishing. What's going on? And they don't understand that you have discovered something that you paid attention to the building of the house of God, and it is from the house of God, his temple. From that particular place is where everything, all right, is coming out of. Uh, that's where the rivers of living water are flowing out of into your life uh, and producing, all right, massive things that are going on in your life as a person. Where is it all coming from? Everything is coming from, all right, from it. Now, go to Ezekiel. I didn't think I would get to this, but let me just say it. Ezekiel chapter 47, because I'm talking about this house, before I hit on it, and you'll see it. All right, Ezekiel 47 and verse 1. And that's why wrong teaching is not good. Okay? It's not good. There's a place for offering for building, but it's not that scripture. And so people do all of that, and they don't see the result. Ezekiel 41 and verse 1. Afterwards, he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, waters issued from under the threshold of the house eastward. And he brought me again and from the right side. And then he brought me to the way, gate, verse 2, of the northward, and led me about. And the Bible says in verse 3, all right, it says, Behold, there ran waters out of right, right side. And when the man that had the line, you see this line again, in his hands, so this is the house now, in his hands went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. 
He brought the waters to the ankles, measured a thousand. Brought the waters to the knees, measured a thousand. Brought the waters, these waters were coming from the house, to the loins. So these waters begin to emanate into anything and everything that you are doing. This is what Jesus was referring to when he said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's why when they said to him, that, Listen, we are going up to Jerusalem to worship because the house of God was in Jerusalem. Jesus said, It's no more there. Now we're getting close to the revelation now. You worship God in spirit and in truth. This is what the Father desires. And once you begin to do that, all right, then what we're going to have is these waters. All right? And then he tells us in verse 6, He said unto me, Son of man, hast thou not seen? And he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. So what happened in verse 5 was afterwards he measured a thousand, and it was a river. So the momentum was growing. Ankle from the house, knee deep, waist high, shoulder, a river. And he says, for waters were risen, waters to swim, a river that nobody could pass over. Uh, and then he talked about it, and in verse 9, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. In other words, it will begin to administer life. Uh, so the house is built, waters begin to come out of the house. All right? So in your business, everything starts living. In everything, everything starts living there. Then we go on there and tells us this. It says, and there shall come, there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because this water shall come thither, for they shall be healed. Everything shall live whither this river cometh. In other words, wherever this river that comes out of this house, whatever it touches will live. Dying business will live. Has nothing to do with anybody's economic policy or the condition that is in a nation. Listen, the river touches it, it lives. Whether it's in Cameroon, whether it's in South Africa, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's in America, whether it's in Germany, the key is the waters are coming out. Thank you for watching today's program. To listen to the full message or any other messages, please visit www.elibrary.insightsforliving.org And to find out more about the Covenant Nation, visit www.insightsforliving.org or download the C3 Live app on Android or iOS. God bless you.